Welcome back to the Juice Time Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Adamani. And alongside me tonight, folks, just days away from Wisconsin's homecoming game, is the man himself, resident of the 608, my brother, Nicholas Osen of 24-7 Sports. Nick, it has been an extremely dark week once again to be a Chicago sports fan especially for myself, as we will dive into this episode, knowing full well that I was in attendance at the Bears game on Sunday. But great things are on the horizon for you in Madison. So, Nick, how are you doing tonight, my brother? You know, thank you very much for that. I'm excited to hear your firsthand view a little bit later, having been there. But I'm doing very well. Probably the only complaint. I could even think of it's just a little fatigued, a lot, lot going on, but we're good and have a good show and just in the middle of a massive life and work stretch right now. Nick, it must be nice to live such a charmed existence, am I right? <laughs> yeah, I don't generally have too many complaints, no. Some people just get to walk through life with a rainbow over their heads, but <laughs> not working class guys like myself. Yeah. <laughs> so folks thank you for tuning in please strap in for an extremely wild one and as always juice up all right nick i think we are both holding back laughter here but we have to chug along as this episode for me is going to be extremely difficult to get through as I am still in a tailspin coming off of Sunday afternoon's atrocious loss at Soldier Field. I was sitting 16 rows up in the end zone in a game where our beloved Chicago Bears started off a little bit slow, down 7 nothing, and I said to myself, as soon as that Broncos touchdown happened, Okay, we cannot get behind in this game. And we answered right away with a score. And then we went on our absolutely dominant run from that point forward. We scored 28 unanswered points. And we're leading by 21 all the way into the third quarter. So this game for me... For truly three-fourths of it, maybe a little bit less, was complete euphoria. I was experiencing the highest of highs while in attendance at Soldier Field. It was something I haven't experienced in such a long time. We know how many times these Bears have lost in a row, and this team has been in complete turmoil. But I went into this weekend knowing the Bears are going to put on a show in front of a home crowd. And I was debating back and forth all of last week whether I should be there. And I'm so glad that I was, even though the outcome went in a wrong direction. And I got to see one thing very clearly, and that was Justin Fields emerging as a stellar passer in this National Football League. Of course, it was against a rather abysmal defense in the Denver Broncos. 
but he was absolutely picking them apart. I called it on the show last week. I said he has to throw for over 300 yards, and he exceeded that. And to put the cherry on top, he threw four touchdowns, two of which were to his favorite red zone target in Cole Komet and the premier wide receiver DJ Moore caught one and he eclipsed 100 yards receiving which was something else that I predicted and then Nick I will let you join in here because we went on the complete downward spiral in the third quarter and truly melted down in the fourth quarter absolutely you know I I think that Generally, I mean, we've become pretty accustomed to losing. I think that often we kind of get to celebrate or whatever the opposite would be, kind of be a part of that losing together, either, you know, in person or or virtually kind of like this. It's not too often I feel especially bad for you because we're both the diehards. But just the fact that, you know, you, you shelled out, making that happen to get to that game. Obviously, we had hope, hoped to go together. You know, I was working. It seemed like it was going to be a perfect one. Like, all right, I'm happy I'm doing this. I'm glad he's having fun. Our guy, Justin Fields, that we are not, you know, ready to give up on. The offense actually looked pretty phenomenal for about 40 to 45 minutes. But for all of that to fall apart and how it did specifically – Defense not being able to get a stop, poor coaching decisions, and then costly turnovers. It really was unfortunate. And at this point, we know this team's not really going to do anything this season. I'm getting a little bit closer to being torn about about the future and, and the draft picks. I think we can both agree, and I never talk badly about coaches. Eberflus is not the guy for the future of the Bears. That's okay. Neither of us jumped on the show last year excited about him. I think there are other guys we can go to. I think one that comes to mind just right as I say that is Ben Johnson. But just going ahead, still a lot of positives to take. And I think it would obviously be much easier to kind of swallow if that was a win. But once they get that first win, and hopefully it is this week, I think we can start to embrace some of those positives a little bit more even though this team will not be going to the playoffs. Nick, you talk so highly of these positives, especially on the offensive end of the football. And that is what struck me all afternoon long, being there, witnessing Justin Fields and that offense absolutely humming for majority of the game. That is what made me so sickened after this outcome, because Justin Fields had one of his best passing performances throughout his career, now this being his third season, and the defense held strong the entire first half, only allowing seven points, and then the comeback started. At no point during this game, Nick, even when the Broncos scored, okay, they're up to 14 points. Okay, they're up to 21 points. At no point did I even consider 
the Bears losing that football game because one side of the game was so strong, and that was our offensive unit. I mean, Khalil Herbert getting a touchdown through the air was so unique and rare for this team because he's not necessarily known as a receiving back. He made himself available right in front of me. I was in that end zone when that touchdown happened. And to me, that was going to be the nail in the coffin on that game. But in true Chicago Bears fashion, led by a coach who should not even be coaching at a middle school level, squandered this one away. And I think you and I both agreed that late in the fourth quarter, fourth and one in field goal range, there's nothing wrong with going for it if you call a play that is going to guarantee you the first down and essentially end the game. But no, the Bears fall less than two feet forward and give the Broncos the ball back, tied up at 28, and all the Broncos needed was a field goal to win the football game. And Nick, I walked out of that stadium more discouraged than I have been in years because, to me, that was a period on such an atrocious start to the season. We're sitting here at 0-4 and now going in front of the entire world in primetime on Thursday night. I mean, you cannot draw it up worse than what we are experiencing right now. And... It's just so disappointing because of how well that offensive unit played. So I struggled with it all Sunday night and even into Monday morning. The Bears aren't in a position to win that football game without Justin Fields because he accounted for all four touchdowns. But on the other side of it, he made two costly mistakes that if he holds on to the ball when getting sacked, the Bears still win that football game because he tried to get the ball out of his hands when it was too late and the Broncos ran it back for six. So I am not blaming Justin Fields for the loss whatsoever because they don't come close to winning the game without him. It's just such a tough spot to be in so early in the season. Yeah, it's it's a really tough spot and one that doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon, even if the Bears do win this week. What I will say, and you didn't blame him for the loss, but you know it'd be nice if the defense could make a timely stop for once this season. I, I think that you can't guarantee you know getting a first down unless you're Philadelphia with kind of the tush push play right now, but. I, I don't think it was smart to take the ball out of Justin Fields' hands at that time, which I, I believe was the case, or at least not letting him get too creative or kind of using his talent for a play like that. I imagine that you had a ton of fun for 52, 53 minutes, and then things kind of started to crumble late. And, and while I think that there are certainly some positives to take, and, and I already kind of mentioned some, Again, I, I feel like it's obvious 
that Matt Eberflus will not be the guy. I think we're going to start maybe talking about some different names as we maybe get later in October and November. But for this week, I mentioned how busy and, and how much I, I kind of have going on in life. I'm kind of looking forward to this game. It's kind of that moment. You mentioned it's in front of everybody. Washington is not a bad football team at all. But I think it's really, it's kind of that point where they say, you know, sometimes the scariest thing is somebody with nothing to lose. The Bears don't really have anything to lose at this point. They're favored to get the top two picks in the draft. They are likely going to be last in the division, though not for sure. It's a, it's a bad division. They won't make the playoffs. I'm really interested and intrigued because if they – you do need to win that, even though they're sizable underdogs. But if they really show fight and this thing keeps – I'm not going to quite say humming, but rolling along a little bit offensively, I'm still going to tune in all the time. But if they just get embarrassed on – quote-unquote, national TV, obviously Amazon Prime stuff. That's when you start looking ahead to the future and beyond. And that would especially make me sad because for our friends and listeners here, you know, I'm a diehard. I always have been. But emotionally, there's obviously some levels of detachment working in sports media and things like that. When the Bears got Justin Fields in that draft, I could not have been more excited and grateful. And I'm not ready to give up on that. Nick, you gave me a lot to think about there. And what makes me truly feel so sick to my stomach is you talk about our Bears on the grand stage this coming Thursday. This is only the fifth game of the season. (laughs) And including that game, we have 13 more on the docket. And it's so early to be talking about all right, the draft coming up in April, who's going to be the next head coach? But this is the reality of our franchise right now. Unless the Bears can somehow pull off something miraculous, this is a bottom-of-the-barrel team. And they're going to continue to be as long as Matt Eberflus is the head coach. You talk about, Nick, taking the ball out of Justin Fields' hands on fourth and one, on a drive that was going to be the game winner, the smart thing there is to kick a field goal. That's a no-brainer. Especially when you are a so-called defensive-minded head coach and you should be able to trust your defense with two minutes left on the clock. And the worst-case scenario, okay, the Broncos kick a field goal, we go to overtime because the Broncos were not playing well in that football game. Even though they came back and won, it never felt like they were in rhythm, especially being there at the stadium. So what struck me so heavily about that outcome was this is a defensive-minded head coach who can't trust his defense because he's doing such a poor job of calling it. (laughs) And we go into Thursday night, Nick. It's clear as day for me. You talk about a team that has nothing to lose. That's how I felt going into Sunday against the Broncos. And it proved to be correct for 
like you said, 52 minutes of the football game and things were going to be trending in the positive direction. I was going to be bouncing off the walls, surefire win Thursday, and boom, we're two and three right back in the mix. But no, we lost on Sunday. We're truly a team with nothing to lose now. And do I relish the opportunity to play in front of the whole world? Absolutely. But these Washington commanders are no joke as they just went toe-to-toe with the Super Bowl runner-up, Philadelphia Eagles, went to overtime and lost. And they have what I would consider a pretty stout defensive unit. It's hard to contain Jalen Hurts, and I think it's hard to contain Justin Fields. So I do not feel confident going into Thursday night whatsoever, not because of our offense. I think that will still be a strong suit for us, and Justin Fields will continue to put on a show. But Matt Eberflus is coaching for his life right now. I genuinely believe there's a possibility if we lose twice in five days that Matt Eberflus is out of a job this weekend, and it'll be the first time in franchise history that the Bears fire a head coach midseason. Wow. Yeah, that could even be, you know, one of your bold predictions uh, for the night. Unfortunately, I like, look, he seems like a somewhat likable guy. I mean, I'm not somebody, I don't think I've ever called for the firing of a Bears coach. Maybe John Fox, just because he clearly was just kind of mailing things in. Of course, not Lovey. We love Lovey. I don't think I did for Trustman. I wasn't on the fire Nagy train yet. And, and I mean, this guy, Eberflus, makes Nagy look like Andy Reid, quite honestly. I mean, he is he's really struggling with things. I still don't think it happens this week if they were to lose. I guess some people could be excited about that, but I don't want that. And a lot of this is blind faith, I'm not going to lie, but... I do think the Bears can win this football game, and I'm going to pick them to. I think it's because I, I kind of talked about the off, uh, you know, off the field type, laying it all on the line, nothing else to lose type thing. But also, if we strip away all the emotions, the offense actually did so show some things on Sunday. I think a lot of those good things are repeatable. You mentioned Washington, yeah, respectable unit, you know, some really good players. I think a lot of that is on the defensive line, though. If we got healthy Tevin Jenkins, Darnell Wright has been really good. Give Justin some time. I liked a lot of what I saw from Getze. Not the whole game, but I, I felt like he put DJ Moore, Juice Herbert, Cole Komet in some really good opportunities. I think if that continues... Look, I like Sam Howell. He's a UNC guy. Obviously, a school I... I really grew up enjoying it, and it's kind of cool to see what he's doing. But I'd certainly still take Justin Fields, especially late. I love what Justin can do, and we just need one complete game. Again, this this season can be a wash, a, a loss, whatever it may be. But, like, you made a great point. Still 13 games on the table. I'm talking with friends about the Bears and fantasy. Oh, it's still so early. 
let's just get one. This is a massive weekend. You know, we'll be briefly reuniting here in Wisconsin for a little bit. Let's see a win head into a really, really busy weekend. Nick, I'd truly be over the moon if our beloved Chicago Bears came away with a victory in front of the whole world and they can kind of silence the doubters. We know Justin Fields is capable of a whole lot on that offensive side of the ball. And you talk about that offensive line. This was the first time where I truly felt Fields had plenty of time back there. And no, his rushing yards weren't astronomical, but he was still able to make plays with his feet because he was rolling out of the pocket and finding the open man. That's what I noticed on Sunday against the Broncos. I still think that Fields dominates against the Washington Commanders. But for me right now, I think the Bears either lose right out of the gates because of how bad this defense is, or they win convincingly. And that would be because of the power that is Justin Fields right now. He is feeling confident out there. He has a clear-cut number one in DJ Moore, who is going to just obliterate that season-long 800-yard prop. That's just disrespectful for number two. And... Gosh, Nick, you've almost got me talking myself into a Bears win, but I cannot do it solely because of who's coaching this team right now. So I will head into my bold predictions. I think DJ Moore puts together another stellar performance, back-to-back games with over 100 yards receiving. That doesn't sound too bold, but considering where this team sits right now, 0-4, Worst team in football. You can stamp it. That would be a win in itself. And defensively, we've seen Sam Howell struggle at times this season with his decision-making. I think this Bears defense, regardless of the outcome of the game, takes the ball away twice, both being Sam Howell interceptions. And those could put the Bears in strong position to score at the hands of Justin Fields. So, Nick, I want to hear your bold predictions as I call this one a close game because of a late garbage time touchdown by the Bears. We're losing it. 0-5. Make Matt Eberflus take a walk from Ral John Maryland all the way to Chicago. I've got the Bears losing 27 to 20. A low scoring affair for our team, but Justin still shines. And we truly become one of the worst teams that I've ever had to watch in my 24 years on this planet. Jeez, man. But it's really. I mean, this is a natural reaction here. If I didn't hear, you know, any of this, we didn't prep like that. That makes me a little bit sad. You're not wrong. You're not saying anything crazy, but to hear you talking about the Bears like that, geez, I mean, this is what you live for. This is your your favorite thing in life. So that's that's unfortunate. I, I hope you're way off. I don't think you're saying anything crazy. 
Washington has a pretty damn good roster. Uh, but I'm going to stick with my optimism. And if I look like a fool, well, it's another day. But I'm going to go bold prediction, just offense this week. Well, actually, I got a hybrid, but offense for sure. I'm going to say Justin Fields, he throws three again. He throws, I know he had four. I'm going to say he throws three passing touchdowns. Game like that, I think Washington's going to score on the Bears. Of course, everybody does. Game like that should keep the Bears competitive. Now, my other one is that they win, that the Bears win. And it's no disrespect, truly, to Washington. I like a lot of what Ron Rivera can do. Obviously, plenty of Bears ties. They've got some interesting pieces. You know, Brian Robinson, I think Terry McLaurin doesn't get actually talked about enough when people are talking about Ohio State wideouts. Pretty good defensive line. Hasn't quite lived up to the hype. I I think you can find a hole or two in their secondary. And look, it is probably the last opportunity in the next month, three weeks to a month, I'm going to have a social outing watching with a couple buddies. So I'm going to go with the Bears on this. I I don't know what the over-under is. I kind of like your score. I think that sounds pretty fair to me. Maybe like a 27 25, 27, 26 type game. Uh, it's going to be tough. And I think a key, and I smile because, you know, speaking with some Badgers players this week, they've talked about how this is such a key for them. A fast start for the Bears offense. Can't get behind specifically on the road against a team that has some weapons. Nick, I'm extremely grateful for your prediction because I think you and our listeners know there's nothing I want more then a Chicago Bears victory. I've been yearning for it for almost a calendar year at this point. This is truly my favorite thing in the world is watching the Chicago Bears play football. And the reason I say this game is going to be a loss is because I simply cannot take all of the energy that I put into last Sunday's game and the confidence that I put into this team and the hope that I had for a victory, I cannot get my hopes up once again this Thursday night for a team that continues to let me down. Of course, I would be over the moon if your prediction is correct, but my God, that loss against the Broncos took so much out of me especially being in the stadium and witnessing what we did for three and a half quarters. I just cannot feel confident going into Ral John with a new ownership leading the way in Washington. The fan base has been rejuvenated. Sam Howell, no, he's not the greatest quarterback, but he's young and seemingly the fan base rallies around him. So, Nick, of course, I would be bouncing off the walls with a 1-4 and record (laughs) because we have not seen these Bears win since a primetime game against the Patriots last year. So, I hope you're right, and I'm able to celebrate a victory alongside you, and we can have a positive outlook next week in our reaction podcast. 
So, Nick, to round out the show here, I have to drop my pick of the week, as I've been doing throughout this season. And, yes, I have picked the Kansas City Chiefs multiple times, and I will be doing that no longer because of one Patrick Mahomes, Hmm. who truly upset hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of fans on the grand stage last Sunday night against the Jets where he had a clear path to the end zone and the Kansas City Chiefs would have covered and he just laid down on the one-yard line and celebrated that fact. So the Chiefs have left a stale taste in my mouth. So, Nick, moving forward with my pick of the week, I am going across the pond with the Buffalo Bills, who just put a whomping on the Miami Dolphins, winning 48-20. to And they have an interesting matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are playing their second consecutive game in London. So they have adjusted to the time zone. They got comfortable last week winning against the Falcons. But these Buffalo Bills are rolling, and I am taking... Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now, minus five and a half, and they get an international win. I like it. I forgot that game was so early. I've been getting up earlier, but that'll be nice. Josh Allen is the quarterback for one of my top fantasy teams. Amazing performance last week. I will say this isn't like me to kind of ride on a a famous team for the public, but I just think the 49ers look unstoppable right now. That's probably one of the two games I will watch just as a fan this week. Uh, Sunday night, primetime, give me Brock Purdy, CMC, Debo, and the Niners minus four over the Cowboys. Nick, I absolutely love your pick of the week, and I truly am grinning over here because we have so much respect and admiration for one of the budding stars in this league in Brock Purdy, Iowa State alum and legend in Ames. So this San Francisco 49ers team is truly a Super Bowl favorite, especially coming out of a weak NFC right now. That offense is one of a kind led by Kyle Shanahan. And Brock Purdy at the helm, just picking his spots. You talk about McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle has kind of taken a back seat this year. And I think he's okay with that as long as they're winning. So, Nick, that I believe is a no-brainer. And for the first time in I don't know how many years, our Bears and the rival Green Bay Packers will not be playing on Sunday. So you and I can truly enjoy all the other games across the league as the Packers have a Monday night football bout against the Las Vegas Raiders. So, Nick, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you are clairvoyant and the Bears come away with a W for the first time since October 24th of 2022. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope for next episode, we will be singing the praises of Justin Fields and company. As always, 
juice up. Bear down forever.